GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. everybody to our daily gun show come to you live every weeknight at midnight eastern and we talk about guns for an hour each evening we have a different topic uh consistently throughout the month but uh each week it's a, or each day it's a, each day of the week it's a different topic and on thursdays we explore uh gun shops gun shows firearms museums and places that we places we visited on our tour uh, we've been traveling for a long time, uh, looking at gun shops and museums and ranges whenever possible. So I've been to more than 200 shops at this point, and uh, we like to talk about that stuff. So I try to ration it out, uh, alternate it each week with uh, training and uh, travel. So this week, it's training. So uh, I lost my avatar thumbnail thingy i have to go back to the main page over here to see but i thought i put on there yeah 2a training or firearms training tips for 2022 and i have a picture of a goofy looking little chicken over there so that's what we're going to chat about tonight uh training tips tips and tricks and ideas if you're taking some firearms training in 2022 uh, we've got a couple of people joining us live uh, feel free to participate in the live conversation uh, by using the text chat or the, uh, well, the text chat while we're here live or the uh, comments if you're listening to this after the fact. If you're listening, this is a video. There's not much going on tonight, but uh, if you're listening to this as audio, we do record this thing on video, I guess. I don't use the video too often. Every once in a while, we'll screen share or show something, but I consider this an audio presentation, so... Tonight, there's not much visually happen on the screen, so uh, people that are watching this know that, but the people that are listening might think that we're showing all kinds of interesting things tonight, and we're not. All right, well, we do have a poll going right now, and that is, what will your next firearm training be? And it's only options tonight, so you can't even pick anything besides something. So we only have two votes out there. I think I know who the two people who voted are. Uh, we have self-defense. As an option, we have rifle of any kind as an option. Self-defense typically means pistol, right? That's a code word, wink, wink, for pistol, but not for everybody. 
Then we've got uh, gunsmithing or reloading, because I understand that some people want to learn how to reload, I guess. And then lastly, medical or first aid. And right now we have one vote for self-defense and one vote for medical. And we've got Krabby out there and Woods. If you put them two together, it would be Krabby Woods. And if you put them together the other way, it would be the PNW Turtle. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but that's what would happen if somebody chopped your names in half and mixed them up. All right, let's get into training tips for 2022 as opposed to training tips from years ago. And first thing I think I need to do is rinse out this cup that I was drinking out of earlier before it gets all gross. So I am going to start off the show rudely with a commercial right off the bat. And hopefully this will give me enough time to go rinse out this cup because I really don't want to have to wash this cup later. GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. So Sandhill Shooter, well, sorry, Sandhills Media, had a uh, chat earlier today, invited me into it, and I totally forgot this was Yankees week, so I said, sure. And then I'm like, dang it, it's Yankees week. So I was in Sandhills chat for a bit, and then Barbecue does his chat, and now I'm doing this chat, so I don't even know how long I've been sitting here, but it's been a while. So uh needed to rinse that cup out. Something I was drinking. All right, so we're going to talk about training tips. So the first tip is deciding, and feel free if you're out there and you are live and you do have uh, questions about training. I know more about training than everybody else, and I have the correct answers. And I'm not burdened by nothing because I know a bunch of the trainers from back in the day, and I don't care to know the trainers that exist now because I already know more than everybody. So I can just answer your questions for you. It's pretty easy. But anyway, let's get into it. So first, you got to figure out who to go to get trained by. And that could be difficult or it could be really easy. You can uh, go to the established people and look at, you know, who would be the like coaches for the best athletes type of thing and uh, go to experience that kind of stuff. Certainly an option. Very few people will tell you you're going to go wrong there. The only real disadvantages there would be old paradigms or old dogmas and that kind of thing, which isn't really the case if you actually pay attention. Uh, the only other real issue I would see is money, for sure, because those things are not cheap, but then also potentially having to travel to them, which would increase cost as well. Uh, but even the best instructors who travel, like Masadiyub or, I don't know, most all the good ones travel, Jaeger, um, uh, well, anybody good, Mike, Benone, um Clint is about the only one that doesn't travel, I think. So uh, going to a, tra a class that's on the road, uh, you're on the road, so you're not at their home place. Some places, some of the instructors don't have a home place, but that's one element. Uh, if you're going to be, if maybe your window is I can go to training when it's cool, right? When it's not super hot, like in Arizona, you're not really going to go outside unless you're super hardcore and train when it's 100 degrees out when you could be doing it when it's 70 degrees out. And the same thing, you're not going to do it when it's below zero, when you could be doing it when it's decent temperature. So you've got the windows that you're able to do it, and then you got to look at who's available in those windows. So now you've got to decide, okay, this is my window, and this is when I can take the training. 
how am I going to decide? So you've got your established instructors who've been around for a while, and I don't think you can go wrong. If, you're, if your plan is to take a lot of classes and to experience instruction and not just an instructor, to experience firearms education and not just one person's set of instructions or one person's um, style, then you know you're going to be in it for the long haul. And then you want to look at who's going to be around, who's going to still be kicking, because we do got guys that have been around for a while, guys and girls that have been around for a while, and will just decide to stop teaching at some point, or we'll have that decided for them. And for the most part, I'm going to suggest that's going to happen abruptly. There's going to be a couple that have the uh, ability and the opportunity to say, I'm stopping, but I bet you car accidents, falling out of helicopters, cough, cough, wink, wink, you know who we're talking about. Um, you know, something's going to happen to some people. So you might want to check out that uh, or use that as a factor. And then, again, if you're going to be doing any number of classes, you might want to put them in some logical order. So if you're going to be, uh, if you'd like to participate, you'd like to experience a self-defense type of class and a pistol type of class and a rifle type of class, it's probably a good idea to take that self-defense one first, maybe take that rifle one last because lots of reasons. So, and that, you know, so that might be one criteria or factor. So certain amount of this, when people get in these discussions, they start out with the, the fallacy and the, and the um, misconception that you're just going to be able to take any class you want when you want it, which is theoretical and fantasy, right? So in real life, you're going to have when you can go to a class, you're going to have options when in that window. So as you look at that, you might want to take a class from so-and-so, but they're not traveling when you can take it, right? So they're off the table for you. Uh, you might want to take a class from so-and-so, and even though they're near you, it's the rifle class and you wanted the pistol class, right? So there's that kind of thing. I forgot I'm trying to post these live shows when they happen. So let me post my live show over here on my new fancy thing that I play with. All right. So um, now, you know, oh, I'm not telling you exactly who to go train with. Yeah, exactly. Because that's ridiculous. I mean, I got friends of mine who I would recommend, but that doesn't mean that's who someone's going to need. But I'm going to tell you who you don't need. That's for sure. Um I'm trying to get used to this. You can create a poll by clicking on the left message text and choosing poll. Oh, so I need to figure out how to do that. Thanks, Gizzard. Um, sorry, I'm distracted by my new little toy over here. Super efficient. It makes it, makes it so the, the videos don't have, you don't ever get distracted while you're watching a video. Oh, and now I'm not even looking at my stream yard, so that's got to be real good. All right, so um, gotten back to quit being distracted here. You've got... Uh, your options. So once you've got your options there, you're going to decide, are you going to take uh, classes for a while? You're going to be just taking one or two classes and you're out. So if you're taking one or two classes and you're out, you're not really interested in passionately taking a bunch of classes. I'd recommend taking the best classes you can possibly take. Get the most for your money, experience the, the most extreme or the most effective or the most useful training you can. And that's going to probably be for most people who, I'm, who are listening to this, uh, Masada Yu. So uh, you take something that's going to be 
the instruction the the desk sitting inside of a classroom portion is like drinking from a fire hose and then when you go out to the range portion uh, it's going to be instructed by someone who's had plenty of experience in self-defense and instruction of self-defense methods and tactics and techniques and skills but also competition and he's accomplished in competition he's also someone moss is someone who unless he's changed his mind back in the day when i would hung out with him more he was the type who would carry a revolver one day in a 1911 the next day and a beretta the next day uh, on a whim or at least you know depending on what he was doing he was he liked to be comfortable with any firearm so that's a type of instructor that if you're only going to take a tight, you know, a certain number of classes, then that's definitely one to take. Um, and then, you know, take some other class similar to that uh, in another direction, either rifle or in fighting or in medical. But, you know, Moss teaches a bunch of stuff in the realm of legal, in the realm of constitutional, not that constitutional, but in the realm of concealed carry and in the realm of being able to fight with a pistol. So Moss is not one who's going to spend a bunch of time worrying about your precision or your particular dogma, but he does follow a little bit more rules than some other classes who literally, some other classes literally don't care how you shoot. They want you to shoot how you're comfortable. They want to, let me put it in another way. Sometimes when you go to learn an instrument, you're going there to learn how a a specific musician plays in their style other times you go to learn how to play a guitar with people who are playing flutes and harps and pianos i don't know what's in a band you know the different instruments because that's a different type of skill set being able to play with others being able to play your instrument while they're playing like in a band that's a different set of instruction, a different set of coaching, a different set of skills that you'll need to develop in your path to becoming a better musician. So as someone who's going to be using a firearm, uh, having something that gives you some instruction on the how-to is important, but the, there is only the basics. So unless you get some horribly wrong version of the basics, the basics are the basics and you'll always know them. You'll always get more like you'll get different ways people will explain the basics to you in different ways but they'll always be the basics uh but then the other thing is to learn then how to apply those basics to the scenarios of carrying a concealed carry firearm in society in the united states in 2022 and the legal moral societal you know responsibilities and consequences of that that's a giant aspect of training that when people think I already know how to pull a trigger, yeah, but do you know how a defense attorney works? Do you know how a prosecuting attorney works? Do you know the process of going to court? Do you know how the, the right, you know, the other things in, the, in that kind of realm work? Um, so it's training isn't like, hey, here's this holster versus that holster. In fact, very little of it is typically that. So when we're talking uh, selecting your training, you're going to want to take something that's on one extreme or the other. Now, if we're talking, um, something like gunsmithing which no one has picked from the poll by the way you know it's, it's kind of the same i don't know of any uh traveling gunsmithing courses i shouldn't say that there used to be and there may still be traveling kalashnikov build classes and there could be some sort of 
reloading or like an AR armorer class. Oh, what am I saying? GSSF classes are roaming, so I'll shut up. The, the GSSF armorer's class, and it's not GSSF, but the Glock armorer's class uh, effectively travel. Like, they're all over the place. So if you're looking at gunsmithing, you're going to want to look at armorer's classes, which are amazing. People that have never taken an armorer's class look down at armorer's classes. People that have taken an armorer's class get looked down on by everybody else because everyone assumes an armorer's class is just reading the instructions. Having the instructions read to you by an imbecile is a thing, right? Having the instructions read to you by a mechanic who's been in the business for 47 years and can give you some insights and some tips and tricks and some techniques and some uh, troubleshooting and some analytic tests to determine waste you know, save a lot of your time being wasted is a different thing. And that's the difference with an armorer's class. A competent armorer's class will save you so much money on tools and time that you can take all the abuse from the idiots who've never taken any kind of class who think an armorer's class is some sort of waste of time. Now, you can take some home armorer's classes. When I was like a little kid in high school, I took every single Air Force. No, was it Army? I think I took every single Army correspondence armors course you could take literally i'm pretty sure i took everything in the catalog because i had nothing else to do so you can take stuff like that and you can go around saying you're an armor but really that's just reading a bunch of things and having like an open book test so there's that kind of thing and that might not be as effective uh, but taking an armorer's course uh from a decent you know uh respected uh source i think is a great way to get an introduction to the tools an introduction to the terminology and the comfort with taking your firearm apart at the end of an armorer's course again if it's a legitimate armorer's course you'll be able to take a firearm apart and put it back together without voiding the warranty now depending on your jurisdictions and your place where you're listening to this to there might be some kind of dumbass laws that stop you from actually being a gunsmith or taking some kind of compensation for it but often there's nothing i mean once you're an armor you're not really gunsmith and you're just effectively helping somebody use their tool that you've been instructed by the uh, manufacturer how to use the tool right so you can uh, oftentimes be of use to others and if nothing else point over their shoulder and give them some advice like hey if you keep grabbing that with pliers it's still going to work but you're going to destroy the chassis that it's in and now you're going to eventually have nothing work because you're just you're creating a file every time you grab that with pliers Right, people don't pay attention to that because they haven't experienced any kind of, you know, accumulated wear. And often gunsmiths deal with the consequences of accumulated wear or abuse and that kind of thing. Uh, so then you get to your next level armors or gunsmithing classes, and that would be beyond the armors course to the actual gunsmithing. And I'll, I, I'm curious. I'm going to have to have a conversation with gunsmiths who have taken the correspondence courses versus gunsmiths that go and attend the actual courses at some of the prestigious gunsmithing schools that we got in the country. I think there's like 16. Let's go take a look. Uh, I have these over on uh, one of the websites that we got, Gun Shop Guide. So we have lots of different websites out there. Gunshopguide.com, I'll throw a link out here as soon as I get there, uh, is a website that's got um, Obviously, it's some of the webs, some of the gun shops that we visited, but I also put the ranges out there, and um, museums over there, and 
I think we have the gunsmithing schools. We do. So here's a link specifically to the gunsmithing schools as well. These are uh, projects that thanks to our Patreons, there's a banner running at the bottom of the screen on pretty much all of our shows, letting people know that we're supported by a bunch of people that subscribe to what we do. About 146 at this point, used to be about 170 something at our top. 146 people make it possible for us to have the software and the uh, servers that we do to keep our online stuff online, but uh, also gives us the ability to spend time on this stuff. And, uh, you know, we have our store, we have our eBay, but aside from that, it's our Patreons that allow us to really spend not quite all of the time in the week, but a good chunk of the time uh, working on these projects and supporting others. So uh, one of those projects was to dig into doing some research for the bigger projects, the 2A history project, but the aspect of it of uh, gunsmithing school. So you can see here that our first gunsmithing school was in 1945 uh, in California. They have uh, the Lassen Community College. Then you've got uh, Trinidad Gunsmithing School in Trinidad, Colorado. I've been invited to go hang out there. I've met with them a couple of times at various events. And every time I drive through there, I call them and it just, I drive through there at weird hours or when they're not in session. So eventually I'll, all the stars will align and I'll be able to get a tour of the Trinidad Gunsmithing School, but I cannot wait. It's been around since 1947. It's a community college in Trinidad, Colorado. So if you don't know, Colorado looks like a big square, right? If you take that square and you fold it in half, that's the Rocky Mountains. And on the east side of the Rocky Mountains, there's a road that goes north and south. And at the bottom is New Mexico. And at the top is Wyoming. And up at the top is Denver. And down at the bottom is Trinidad, Colorado. So it's the first thing you'd hit when you get into Colorado. And I've only been to Colorado, I don't know, five or six times. And they've all been in the last few years. So I was an adult by the time I ever got to Colorado for the first time. So it was kind of neat going to Trinidad. You jump, you go from boring kind of flatland, New Mexico, where Red Dawn was filmed, literally. Uh, and then you just all of a sudden you pass the NRA, one a giant NRA range out there, 11,000 acre range or something. And then you go up, you just go, you hit Colorado and you go up and then you're up into this pass and then you come down and you're in Trinidad. And uh, it's kind of neat. And the first time I think me and Bob did that was in, snow i don't remember what year it was but it was like snowy and i was like oh man anyway trinidad's pretty awesome it's a town with a little lake that i've stayed at it's like a park or something a national park or national forest or something with a lake they got the some kind of train track some kind of a, an attraction for old trains and then uh maybe this town the, the school the, the community college so a pretty nice little quaint town looks like a train set really looks like a little train set except giant you know it's, it's the size of buildings uh but pristine really neat anyway so that's trinidad then you got uh, colorado school of trades which is keep going down that same road and colorado school of trades started in 1947 it's a lot closer to colorado from what i remember uh, i didn't realize it's also from 1947 i think their story was they were a machinist school and then switched to be a gunsmithing school at some point along the way in the 90s maybe i, I can't remember from doing the research here then you've got the Pennsylvania Gunsmith School in Avalon, Pennsylvania. And I do not know if that's where barbecue went. Then you've got the Piedmont Technical College. That one started in 1966. 
I should say the Pennsylvania one started in 1949. So our first gunsmith school is 1945. Our second gunsmith schools are 1947, second and third really. Fourth national level gunsmith schools in 1949. So basically people coming out of the war and the development, the machinery, the uh, modifications, the upgrades, the new, new parts, uh, all of that is being uh, taught to students starting, you know, literally after the war there, before the 50s, in an era where everybody's hot rodding cars and creating airplanes and making boats out of jet plane motors and stuff. Then you get 1966, Piedmont Technical College in South Carolina. In 1969, Yakovai College here in Arizona, up in Prescott. And then you get 1979, uh, Lenore Community College in North Carolina. 1979, Murray State College in someplace Oklahoma. Then you got Pine Technical College coming in 1980, 1983, Montgomery Community College, 1970, Piedmont Community College. Uh, there's two Piedmont. So that first one was Piedmont, 1966 in South Carolina. The second Piedmont was a couple of years later, 1970 in North Carolina. So that's just super helpful if you're trying to do research on gunsmithing schools. Then you've got the American Gunsmith Institute started in 1993 in California. And if I remember right, they were students of that first Lassen Community College and then uh, started to make AGI, right? American Gunsmithing Institute is those AGI videotapes. They would make VHS tapes of the gunsmithing instruction from Lassen. And then it eventually became its own entity, the American Gunsmithing Institute. They started with those cassette or with uh, video cassettes and then went to DVDs. And for a while there, when we first started in like 2007, I guess 10 years into their run, we were selling AGI stuff on our websites. People would buy it and we would send it, you know, sell it just like we're, or send it to them, just like we're doing with the gear website store. In fact, if anybody's listening to this and has any interest, I do have vintage AGI stuff from our old stock that I could sell if somebody's interested. I wouldn't watch it. It's probably super old. But if you're interested in having uh, AGI vintage uh, stuff before there was a gear website store when we first just had a couple of websites and we were starting to sell stuff to try to make some money on the internet, this new thing called the internet. Uh, we were working with AGI and we did that because we went to SHOT Show and started hanging out with them and said, hey, what if we sold your videos on our website? And they're like, yeah, I guess we could do that. And then they gave us the rate as if we were a store. And if I remember right, they were cool and gave us the rate as if we were a store selling a lot of product because there's usually like a tiered wholesale price or something and i think we got a decent price like the good price so i think i still have a couple of things left that are extra i kept one like of the ak build set that's when i was starting to build the ak buyer's guide and stuff and learn how to build myself uh so anyway it's fun to uh, meet up with them and taking a little side there with the american gunsmithing institute then you get penn and foster in scranton pennsylvania and then the Sonoran Desert Institute, which started in 2000 in Tempe, Arizona. And then the Black River Technical College in Ar Arkansas started in 2020. So that was a little side tangent on the uh, gunsmithing schools, but I would suggest probably most of these are good to go. Uh, I follow 
the ones that I'm aware of have an Instagram, I follow them. Uh, they don't all use their Instagram. So I can tell you that that Pennsylvania gunsmithing school, they definitely use their Instagram. They do it's a lot of stuff. I hung out with them. I met them at SHOT Show uh, and met them uh, walking around at SHOT Show. AGI has a booth at SHOT Show. Uh, Trinidad has a booth at SHOT Show. And Yakabai has a booth at SHOT Show. I may have missed the other booths because they're not the biggest booths at SHOT Show. And SHOT Show, uh, Shot Show is pretty big this year. But um, yeah, gunsmithing schools are pretty cool. So I guess I was on a long tangent there of how do you choose uh, firearms training in 2022 with gunsmithing? You, I mean, you have a challenge, I guess, because there's a lot of options. But I can't imagine there have ever been up until now uh, a better opportunity for a fledgling or a wannabe gunsmith uh, student. Because I don't think you can go wrong. There's probably one of those schools that's the best, and then another one that's the worst, and then they all rank together in there somewhere. But you know, from somebody's criteria for something, but reality, they're all capable and kicking out competent gunsmiths. So I imagine it's more of again what you can afford and what you can uh, or what you can afford to get to. We haven't even talked about costs, so we'll talk about costs in a bit. But uh, Let's see. So we started out with how or some tips for firearms training. And I hope that I gave you some good ones as far as like being realistic and not wasting anybody's time thinking about theoretically what I would take, you know, and realizing that Moss isn't going to be everywhere. He can only be where he's decided to be. And guess what? Those classes might be sold out. So you might not even be able to go here. Or if you really want to do have a class with Moss, Maybe you got to travel somewhere that's not near you that, you know, now, you, now you're actually traveling as part of the training. And that can be a real burden if you're talking about a real class with some actual ammo. So the next stop is, you know, in some training tips for 2022. Uh, let me know. Nobody, I don't know if people are saying anything. I guess I'll take a moment here. I guess I've just been staring at stuff. I haven't really been staring at the screen. So I apologize if people have been asking me specific questions while I'm ranting here. But I'll start reading some of the questions from people that are showing up live. But if you have specific questions, let me know. I won't just keep going in weird tangents. But uh, in fact, let me just take a second here. And I guess Woods did say trains. Then uh, I will be taking, oh, Krabby is taking, saying I'll be taking my first CCW. So I'll star that one and we'll address that for sure. Uh, let's see. Taking my first CCW class this year. Right on. Uh, I would train late June to July total expenditure 2000. I could train late June to end July total expenditure 2000. I think you're saying that's when you could go training because you're out of school or whatever. And that's frustrating. You could probably, you'd have to, I would see, well, I guess you're not, you're not in a bad place. Like if people north of here are complaining about the heat, then that's their problem. Um, are they the same? Are they all the same for the most part? No. If you're talking about CCW instructors, no. We'll talk about that more in a second. Um, I haven't taken a class since 1999-ish. Barbara uh, Woods is saying that. That's interesting. We'll star that one and talk about that a little bit. Uh, are the trainings for CCW all the same state to state for the most part? That's a different clarification. So no, I'm going to start that one separately, but definitely no. 
Um, let's see. There is no CCW class in Washington, not required here. Uh, and then, so basically Woods is talking about uh, for a permit. In order to get a concealed carry permit, you just pay for it or ask for it in some states. Uh, but that's what I think he's talking about. Uh, do, do, do. Distance classes on gunsmithing. So I didn't uh, finish that thought, but um, how much can you possibly do when they send you some books and maybe even they send you a pile of tools and then they tell you to go watch a YouTube video? Yeah, I know a lot of people go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to learn a lot. Yeah, you're going to learn to do stuff off a YouTube video and you're going to learn to do it the way you're doing it, but you get coached by someone who knows the ways to do it and then sees how you're doing it and then coaches you to how the rest of the world does it or how the effective way is or how the useful way is or how the way that doesn't waste all your time and money, you know, all the different things that a coach can offer. That I don't understand how they get past that. Now, up training, skill building, you've already had some experience and now you just need to amplify something or add to something, but you've got the rudimentary techniques or the, you know, the, uh, prerequisites down i guess i can understand it and i'm not saying people are feeble i'm just saying that there's so many little things i've discovered along the way if you pull this spring out this way it ruins the spring if you pull it out this way you can keep the spring forever uh if you put a little pin here you don't have to pull out this spring if you don't use pliers here then you don't have to worry about destroying the hole later if you use pliers here then you know what i mean like there's just so many different little nuances and that's the kind of stuff that go into a class. You get the instructor who said the stuff a zillion times, but he said the stuff to dumbasses and to smart people and to ambitious students and to students who are looking for excuses to get out of there and go smoke a cigarette and to students who only cared about rifles and to students that could absorb like a sponge and to students who absorb like a rock, right? And then that instructor says everything to the class and then deals with everybody as you know, individuals, um, even if they just stand there and do nothing, like some of the worst teachers that exist where they just regurgitate and then stand there, at least you've got equipment, right? That you're working on with your peers. So you've got at least a couple of other students there and you've got their experience and their insight and their, uh, ex their successes and their failures. Um, I've got so many stories of people I'm standing next to failing. And then because one of 25 of us failed, we all learned from that. It's like, thank you guy. Like somebody had to fail and somebody had to do that wrong thing so that we all learned it. You know, some of that you get in an experience, in a class experience that learning it effectively on paper, you'll never know all the ways you can screw up especially if you're good. All these people are like, I'm so good. I only take, I only need to take the written test. I'm, you know, to test out of this. I'm so good. Well, that's awesome. I want somebody who knows how to screw up. I want to know somebody who's experienced screw up so much that they know when a screw up is happening so that the first time a screw up happens, the idiot who thinks he's perfect doesn't go, Oh, I've never experienced this before. And now it's a catastrophic result because I've never even had a stress on my, uh, you know, the way I do things before. Anyway, so uh, distance classes, I wish I could get behind them. I know a lot of people get paid to sell them to you. So nobody wants to hear that. And a lot of people take them. So nobody wants to hear that. So I'm not crapping on your class, you know, but at the same time, I really like the idea of that there's 
gunsmithing schools that have been around since 1945, teaching people on machines and teaching people with techniques. And I've heard when I did the research, I kind of did listen to some videos and stuff, people talking to each other about these schools, not giant production videos, just individuals talking to each other, doing after actions and you know, instructors talking to each other kind of thing. And uh, a lot of respect here, a lot of, lot of uh, good information. And, you know, think about things like engraving or fitment of old fashioned guns, skill sets that aren't in demand, so they get lost, uh, that aren't in common practice anymore. So they just go to oblivion and schools have the ability to keep that in, at least in the curriculum by giving the instructor an opportunity, even if it's every five years or something, that they have a blacksmith class it gives that instructor an opportunity to refresh their skills every five years and find uh, a new potential group of students that might find some interest there and even if you know how world is if even if you don't care about blacks uh, powder guns if something over there gives you an idea of how to effectively remove the the what do you call like the uh, handgun roster from california because something clicks in your brain you know what i mean that's what it's all about uh, it's possible that stuff happens on the other kind of classes. Anyway, we're talking training in general. I just happen to kind of go off on a tangent on uh, gunsmithing. We definitely don't need to keep it in gunsmithing. It's gunsmithing, unless somebody has a specific question about it, feel free to ask. Otherwise, um, I'll just put Ozzy's one up here last. Illinois requires 16-hour training class to get a CCW, eight-hour to renew every four years. Um a 16 hour training class. I've never had to experience when Arizona had the 16 hour class. I knew my friends of mine went to it and I was like, I'm not going to 16 hours. Like I've been to military classes before I've been to things that are long and I've never been to a 16 hour class. Like, I mean, I've been to semesters that are 16 hours worth of stuff, but you know what I mean? Like in school, but 16 hours to teach me how to carry around a gun, which I've already carried around forever. No, thank you. And I never did. Um, then when it went down to eight hours, I was like, all right. And I did an eight hour class one time. So I'm not completely unaware. Uh, and then I've sat through tons of classes, way more classes than you. Just I'm saying, it. like, unless you're an instructor, I've sat through more classes than you. I really enjoy sitting through CCW classes, or at least I used to when I was really into this stuff in the early 2000s. Um, and it was also fascinating to see in a state that was just about to get constitutional carry and then by the way inspire 24 other states to get constitutional carry you're welcome um it was pretty pretty cool to go to constant or to go to concealed carry classes when all that was the murmur and everybody was kind of i don't know what to call it we their only concerns were the limited availability of ammo based on fires like because a couple of built uh ammo manufacturers had burnt down no conspiracy theory is just one of them burnt down and the other one happened to be doing maintenance and burned down also and it just threw everybody for a loop and you couldn't get ammo for a minute and that was about the only stress there was no political stressors that i remember and uh, we had a lot of people hitting ccw classes so uh, i really did enjoy going to ccw classes so yeah i've got a lot to say on the eight hour class but way more to talk about for these things that crabby turtle brought up so I'm glad that you're taking your first CCW class. My first recommendation is don't make it your last CCW class. Uh, you can take as many classes as you want. Ask your instructor when you're there, hey, can I come back to a class and audit it? Can I come back to your class and sit in and not 
pay anything, but not cost you anything. I'm not going to get fingerprints. I'm not going to take a test or maybe they'll let you take a test. Really, it's up to you. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to require a bunch of your class materials. I would really like to just sit in and re-experience your lectures and then also have the ability to hear some of the questions that might come in from a different class, a different group of students. And in my experience, I'm trying to remember if I ever had an instructor say no. I must have had, inst had instructors say no, but I just don't remember. Um, so for the most part, most instructors are cool. They, they're instructors because they like saying stuff in front of people, number one. So you're asking them to say stuff in front of you. I mean, think about it. But then the other side of it is um, you're going to be giving them feedback. So they're like, it's like getting an Amazon review for free. They didn't have to sell you nothing. They just got a free Amazon review. Uh, so there's that element of it. Back in 2004 and five and six, when I was doing this stuff for heavy, uh, it was tougher to get them to let me take video because that was a completely alien thing. And then what was I going to do with that video anyway? There was no internet to put it on. So by the time 10 or something came along, you were not taking video at too many classes. Like they knew what could happen and the internet was fast enough for videos to get out there. And the internet has always been exactly the same as it is now. It's just that there were fewer people and they were different people, but it's always been exactly the same. If you posted videos of somebody doing anything at a class, it would get shared and then somebody on some forum would freak out or have a fit about whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it was. You could hand a kitten a dollar bill and somebody would go, did you see the way that son of a bitch gave that kitten a dollar bill? And then there'd be like internet fights about it. And some people would go like, oh, I'm never training with that guy because of the way he gives kittens dollar bills. So uh, to avoid that, most of the instructors, especially the ones that sucked, would be like, no way, you can't take video on my class. They would say things like, my class is too important. I don't want you giving away blah, blah. Or I, I have such a dedication to instruction that blah, blah, blah. The only good one I ever heard was Jaeger, who didn't like the idea of somebody watching themselves do a thing and then giving themselves a handicap where they always worry about the one thing they did wrong at a class. And as an instructor who's competent and is truly a coach, truly gives a shit about the people that show up at his class, um, that I thought was awesome advice. And in fact, I don't look at myself in training based on that. And it might be wrong. I know a lot of sports watch themselves do things all the time. Weightlifters watch themselves all the time. Uh, but I think you, I think one has a uh, tendency to see themselves fuck up and then go, oh, I'm never going to do that again. And then in the real situation, Murphy's Law, that'd be the time you need to do that, right? Like, oh, that would have saved your life. You would have just done that and fallen over or whatever happens. So anyway, I've fallen over way too many times and been humbled way too many times that, uh, um, I don't know where I got on a thing. We were talking about uh, the advice of viewing what you're doing or whatever. Um, anyhow, so we're getting back to CCW. Sorry for taking a tangent there. It is late. I filmed this thing at midnight, your time, uh, nine o'clock my time. But like I said, I've pretty much been in chats for like three hours. Taking that first CCW, um, don't let it be your last. So like I was saying, ask the instructor if you can come back. The pace in which you go back is up to you. Obviously, everybody's got their own thing going on. But if, let's say that the people are sick of the crap and garbage that's being given to you by people you can tell are obviously selling you somebody's class like they obviously only care about you going to somebody's class and they're going to chat that thing up 
I only care that you enjoy what you're doing and that you don't run around like a Yahoo telling everybody that you know exactly what's going on because you're all students. We're all students. We're never going to master nothing. And, um, you know, I guess I'm saying it depends on how often you want to go back for training or whatever. I'm guessing a bunch of people are going to be carrying around guns for the first time. And I can remember that. I can remember that. But it was a different world back then. So I was always among friends. I was always legally welcomed in and whatever. And it was like always okay. It was no ever anything except for my own little glitches, my own, my own apprehension. I never had any worries. I know that everybody else has got different situations. So as an adult, taking your CCW for the first time, you know, it's like going and taking your driving test or something like that. It has absolutely nothing to do with what's going to happen behind the wheel for the rest of your life. But everybody's got to take us, uh, uh, you know, the, the same test, the same set of initial instructions. So we all have that borderline awareness. It's 99% safety, more than likely. There'll be a little bit of legal, hopefully, like half legal, honestly, like 30% safety, half legal, 40% strategy techniques. A competent class is going to make sure that you know when and where you should or can carry. And a competent class ends it right there. If you're going to see a class and it's like a Swiss Army knife and they're going to do you this and that and they're going to teach you how to draw and they're going to do the other thing and they're going to teach a legal strategy and they're going to walk away and you're going to have everything you need, be skeptical. It's like name anything where you're going to learn everything from somebody. I'm going to go learn how to bake from somebody who knows how to bake. Let me think of something I care about baking. Like if I want to go learn how to bake a pizza, I ain't going to somebody who's going to teach me all about everything else in the kitchen. I just want to learn how to bake a pizza from you. And you don't need to teach me about, you know, how to work the, wash, the washing machine. Like let's, let's worry about how you make a pizza so I can see what's going on. Uh, so you got kind of that going on. Um, so I would take your initial CCW for legal and for when and where to carry, but not like how to draw and not like scenario based garbage. That's for people that want to get into the tactics and the, the practical aspects of it. And that should be done completely separately the same way that you would learn to play a guitar and then you would learn how to play in a band. And then you would learn the practicality of budgeting, the entire band and the equipment to go on the road like you're not going to just pick up a guitar and start worrying about how you're going to go on the road traveling as a band because it's just putting the cart before the horse so get in there and get the basics and uh here's a here's some more tips um as soon as you take that first ccw i guess i mentioned you know while you're there, especially if you liked it. Now, if you hated the instructor and you hated the class, that can happen and it will happen to some of you, then don't go back and take the same class from the same person, but go find somebody else and say the same thing. Hey, I've had a bad experience. Can I take your class for free and sit quietly in the back and absorb and listen to the questions from other students? I won't say a word. I'm just truly interested. I'm a student of what's going on and I've heard you're a good instructor. And unless they're an a-hole, they're going to be like, yeah, go ahead. And then you can experience that instructor. My instructors were some guy, then it was a guy who was a officer level. So not like an enlisted, but like officer level in the border patrol. I don't really know how their ranks go, but you know, some businessman level of the border patrol who was so 
competent in disseminating information. I mean, except for Air Force instruction, I've never seen anything as efficient as this guy's ability to get information across. And he was also the first one that I experienced who brought up the idea of civil versus criminal. So everything you do is going to be judged against a jury of your of the whatever how it is the everything's going to be judged 50 50 against i can't remember i'm trying to put too many things in my head right now but you're going to get judged against the with the judge against the state like what is what you did illegal or is what you did legal and then either way that comes out you still have the potential of being charged in another civil court case with someone saying what you did caused damage so what you did or didn't do affected me somehow and now i'm suing you for that in civil court and a lot of times you can't imagine how often you go to a ccw construction and they either don't know about the differences or the nuance in there because no one's really asked them to challenge anything uh and it's not necessarily their job right to teach you on the lawn or whatever so some of them just don't even touch on that stuff and it was actually about three or four ccw classes in before somebody that guy said that in such a way so there's different instructors different classrooms i've been in classrooms that were like above what was it like a sportsman's warehouse where you'd walk upstairs in a sportsman's warehouse with the entire building below you're all your hours like up on a step you know like above the store where the security guard might walk around to see who's shoplifting and then there happened to be like a break room up there and that's where they did the ccw course it was super noisy and super distracting like i could look down and look at people in the gun department it was crazy it was like up above the gun department crazy i've been to ones in people's backyards i've been to ones uh at ranges right and there can be all different levels of uh things when you go to these different classes so first is uh that's a lot of a lot of rambling about your first ccw class i've got more to talk about though so are the trainings for ccw in the same state to state for the most part heck no so I think the other one I did in STAR. So I think you put in here, are they the same for the most part? So definitely no. I mean, there's got to be ways to get reviews nowadays other than like going to YouTube and looking at comments or going to like, I don't know, Yelp or the equivalent. But I would say go to your forums or go to um, something equivalent to a forum where there's like a section for the area and ask around because people are usually pretty vocal when they were upset with their training. And in the same way, they're like fans for life when they enjoyed the training. Um, don't just take the best stuff. Don't just take the one that you think is awesome. Take the one you think is awesome. Pay for that one. And then go back if it's worth it. And then start calling around. And I'm not going to say take the worst one, but don't be afraid to take one that says like i don't know why this guy was shooting carbines i would look at that at like i want to go see why that guy was shooting carbines right like maybe think of one that's a little bit outside your comfort zone or something um and what you're going to do there is get more familiar you're going to start to meet more people in your area that are also concealed carry and you'll just um anytime you're you've you've done more in the community you've got more comfort level more familiarity is that where i'm looking for and that that confidence and that, uh, that comfort you get from that familiarity uh, is nice because then you're going to be carrying. And I'm guessing if you're going to your first CCW, you're probably not running around carrying all the time. And, you know, the more familiarization, the more 
uh, good environments you can be in that give you a chance to conceal carry without any judgment or concern has got to be beneficial, especially with peers. Same idea with coaching. They can look at you and go, what are you doing, man? You can see your gun from a mile away. Or, dude, do you even have a gun on? Right? Like that, That's the kind of feedback you can't uh, pay for. Um, like, did I mention this already? Go to your instruction. Like I say, if you enjoyed it, schedule another one. Plan on going to the second one. But as soon as possible after you get home, maybe not the same day, but everybody's different. As soon as possible, try to instruct everything you learned there to somebody else, your spouse, your kids, somebody at work. Go online and start a live chat and teach it to somebody where applicable. Obviously, don't teach people things that are outside their scope, but we're talking basic CCW class here. So I guess more realistically, don't teach people specific carry laws for your town without a disclaimer that, hey, this is, you know, something about my area or something. But for the most part, you I find that everybody seems to do better as uh, retaining the data and understanding it once you've said it again, you had to pull it out of your own brain again. But then you're having to say it in a way that makes sense, right? You're having to say it, you're having to think of the other person as you're saying it. And that just gives you like way more, way, way more retention. And that person's going to start asking you questions. What do you mean do this? And now you can, you know, oh, wait, I forgot to say this. Or, yeah, yeah, here's the best part. So uh, I think relaying or regurgitating as much as you can uh, is a good thing. Take as many notes as possible. Come up with a great note-taking technique. I've seen a couple of them now, effective note-taking techniques where you write it in paper. I guess it's possible for someone to do this with electronics, but I think you're wasting a potential because writing with a pen is an interface that we don't utilize very much. So when you, I think that when you use something rarely, it's got the potential to be more understood by the brain, right? So if you're used to doing typing dictation for work or for school, taking notes at school or taking notes in a meeting at work, and you could care less. I mean, you have enough attention in it that you're accurate, right? You want to make sure that you're not being a detriment to your team or something. But at the same time, you're doing whatever else you can to let your brain realize that you're just working. You're not trying to retain anything. And that's the dilemma. In a CCW class, you're trying to retain everything, right? You want to learn everything. You want to remember things that you don't remember you're remembering. So having a technique with a pencil and a paper, I guess a pen or a paper, is the way to go. I like getting a new spiral notebook for everything I do. So if you look at my room with all my books in it, I've got a couple of shelves now because I've been doing stuff for a while. And there's a new spiral notebook for everything. Back in the day, I would continue on with spiral notebooks, but they don't cost that much. So I just open up a new spiral notebook. I like grid paper personally, but uh, spiral notebook, a couple of Sharpie mark, the fine tip Sharpie, marker, Sharpie markers are great for being able to see if it's sunny out, if it's windy or something like that. If it's rainy, you can't do this stuff with dollar store stuff. So that sucks. But if it's not rainy, then dollar store stuff works fine. Dollar store stuff will not archive fine, however. So if you're going to spend any amount of time, effort, money, concentration, and focus on something important to you, spend the money for a decent spiral notebook with paper that isn't going to be gone or dust three years from now. That happens in Arizona. It might not happen in other places, but you know what I'm saying? Like, this is something that's worth doing. 
it's worth maybe even going and getting one of those cool sketchbooks with the heavy duty paper and a really decent spiral on it. And then something that uh, gives you enough real estate on the front cover and the back cover to trade stickers with, with other students there. And if the instructor gives you a handful of stickers, you got a place to stick them on. And uh, now you start writing into that book, this book that's going to be on your shelf as a, as a, a souvenir slash um, note, you know, whatever your notes from this class that you spent a bunch of attention preparing for, you know, paying for, and then taking, and then you're trying to retain as much information from it. So these notes, copious notes, as many notes as you can, you're not going to try to dictate or whatever that's called, like write down everything that they say, but get a good note-taking technique. Listen to Riding Shotgun with Charlie and take notes. Listen to uh, to um, Cheryl Todd and doing an interview with Gun Freedom Radio and take notes. Uh, listen to, I'm trying to think of other people that are good, right? Listen to somebody who's good at, at doing an art interview and then take notes of the art of the interviewer, of the subject matter, of your experience, and maybe watch a couple of videos on taking notes. Do all this stuff in preparation for your courses. Now, this might be a lot for a CCW class, but I'm talking about training in general in 2022. So you can, maybe you can even, depending on how much you're crazy or not, you could go watch other people's reviews of the class you're about to take and take notes on that. The goal is to get practice taking notes. So if it's on something you're interested in, better because now you're enforcing good info, but get used to taking notes so that when you go to this course for the first time, note-taking isn't, you're not practicing note-taking anymore. You've got note-taking down. That should be a skill set you just have from school or from having to deal with other teams and stuff. But um, when you're at the course, good notes, copious notes are things like the weather are things like how many classes, how many students in the class, what was their holsters, what was their firearms. You want to get used to being observant because it gets your brain open. You want to uh, try to remember as much useful but not creepy information as possible so that you are opening your brain up for this instruction and you're absorbing as much as possible. Six years from now, you go to find out that something and something, but my notes will tell me that I you are the guy that I took that CCW class or you get married and four years later you discover that, yeah, you did take that CCW class together four years before you were married. And you never knew, but your notes had her name in there. So that kind of crap, like just get used to taking notes, take a lot of notes. And then if you really want to go nuts, I'm going to steal this from Asada you send yourself as take a copy of your notes, put them in an envelope and mail them to yourself in certified mail. So you'll have to sign for them when you re when you get them back from yourself and then don't open the envelope. That can be admissible in evidence as to your awareness, state of mind, competence, and skill set in court. You're going to probably want to have an attorney who's aware of all that, but there's things you can do, especially at a CCW course. And there's things that by not doing it, there's like, oh, you know, you can just take one, I guess, and not do any of that kind of stuff. Um, ask questions. A competent CCW instructor, especially when with any time on the clock, is going to have actual um, answers for you and not garbage. Oh, I like I make the best cut on Canix or I make the best percentage on Tauruses, right? Um, you, you know, you're going to or maybe the shop that I go to gets Nighthawks on sale or well, it's not a thing. But, you know, 
somehow has a relationship with a, a custom builder and that's where they push you. So ask questions, um, be skeptical, watch what the other students are doing, pay attention to their gear, pay attention to their attitudes, pay attention to their note taking. Uh, you learn as much from the other students in a class as you do from the, from the instruction or the curriculum. If you take a class more than once, pay attention to how much they deviate from their curriculum, if they have a curriculum or if they're just winging it every time. And if they're winging it every time, pay attention if they're doing that well with like, you know, because the class is different or if they're just randomly saying stuff different every time, like casually, sloppily saying whatever they feel like. One of the most famous, most reputable people out there I mean, if I said who it was, everybody know who his name is, and everybody probably has respect for the person. You've never heard me talk about that person because I have the opposite of that, because I know that they show up and act like you're there to be, you know, in their presence. And they're, I've never taken the course, but I've heard it explained from one of the other guys. And uh, there's, a, there's a spectrum out there. So, um I'm going to quit on that just because I'm an hour in, but uh, next one is, are the trainings for the CCWs for all the same state to state or are the trainings for all CCW the same state to state or different for the most part? Or I don't know, I'm saying, or are they different? No. So I have had CCWs in Arizona and then out of state in Nevada and in Utah. And I took the classes for out of state Minnesota, Florida, and like two others, I forget. So in other words, I went to this thing where you, you qualify for like a whole mess of CCWs, and then you have the opportunity to sign up for as many as you want. However, some of them are useful and some of them aren't. Like at the time when I did this in 2000, early 2006, maybe, it was a long time ago. Um, we went to Nevada and took the CCW class thing where, like I say, you qualify for pretty much every out-of-state CCW there is. They, in other words, if you look at all the different CCW requirements at any time and you put them all on top of each other with a bunch of transparencies, one of them is going to have the most requirements. And then if you do what it wants, you pretty much got everybody covered, right? But one of them is going to have a weird outlier over there. And one of them is going to have a weird outlier over there. So if you just do the one that the, you know, that one that has the most requirements and those two outliers, well, now you just covered every single CCW course. And that's effectively what we did. So they kind of spend some time explaining that, hey, we're going to teach you everything and like four other things, like everything that you could ever want to know and like four crazy things you didn't want to know because these other states require it. And at the end of this, you can apply for like as many CCWs as you want. And they facilitated it. I mean, you could get fingerprints. They were able to do the out-of-state CCW classes like that in Nevada for like all these different states. But for me in Arizona, I already happened in Arizona CCW, which was good at the time in like 30 states, let's say, reciprocity with 30 states. And they always change. So, you know, at the time it was in flux, but at the time it was like 30 states, by, but it wasn't Nevada. So when we would go to SHOT Show, I didn't have my CCW, right? So I, that's one of the reasons I took this class in the first place. Let's get the Nevada CCW. I don't remember the numbers, but it, let's say it was like a hundred bucks. 
So it was a hundred bucks. I didn't have that kind of money. So, or, you know, a ton of money. So it's like, okay, that's some money. And then, and that's just for the permit. I mean, you have to take the class and stuff, but then that's just for the permit. Um, Utah was $35 and I didn't need it. It didn't give me nothing. It was just another CCW, but it was $35. And I'm like, well, all right, I'll get a Utah. Plus I can go around saying I have a Utah, right? So then I had three CCWs. Uh, I could have got a Florida and all Florida would have done is give me Minnesota, but I really wanted Minnesota because I had two other CCWs, Nevada and C in Arizona. And they didn't get in Utah. What am I saying? I had three CCWs and none of them gave me Minnesota. So with three CCWs in my wallet, I would still have to take my gun off if I went to Minnesota. And that was driving me nuts because I really wanted to go to Minnesota. So I looked into getting that Florida one and it was like $175. And then the other thing that was beyond the pale was something else. And I can't remember what it was, but I was like, you know, I guess you could kind of say, Hey, I'll have four CCW, so it's worth it, right? Nah, I couldn't do it. So I never did get a Florida. I kind of wish I would have, because it would have literally just been the hundred and whatever dollars, and then I could say that I had a Florida CCW at one point, but I never did. And then I forget how many other ones. There probably were like, I forget, like six or ten other CCWs that I, you know, in the course of that two days, cert like was certified for. And then the lecture was also kind of weird. The lecture was really long. And then these like appendixes to the lecture to cover what all the weird states wanted. So it was like I sat through everything. So I, you know, technically could have applied for all these different CCWs, but it was just a cost thing. Like I didn't need them. They didn't help me with nothing. It would have just been a bragging rights thing and it would have cost a bunch of money. Now we got a friend, Rick, Rick's life as I see it, who used to live in Rhode Island. And he used to tell us about the craziness. Of, talk to Rick about his CCWs if he doesn't already just talk about them all the time still. But he, in order to live in Rhode Island and carry in the neighboring states and a couple of others, I think he had like six CCWs. And that's a heck of a lot more work than it was for me to go sit through two classes, two days worth of classes in Nevada and then one day's worth of shooting. So it took three days to get all those CCWs. But you know, we accomplished it in two days of lecture and shooting and then one day of testing. Um, so anyway, I never did get more than three, but each one of those is a little different. Some of them are ridiculously long, 16 hour requirements, eight hour requirements. That's one of the reasons we had to do three days because some of those stupid requirements were like eight hours long. Um, but there's nothing stopping you from doing two or three states classes at the exact same time like on top of each other because most of them just say you got to sit here doing something for eight hours they don't say exactly what you got to do and even if they do it's going to be similar safety and gun handling or whatever so you know you can find ways to create curriculum that accomplish multiple states um, requirements in one sitting so I did have some experience there. The differences are minor and petty. Some of the states require fingerprints, some, most of them I think probably, but some of them require a photo, some of them don't. Uh, some of them had, like Nevada is super crazy. If you, you can't, they, they don't have state preemption. So that means there were cities that existed before Nevada. And whenever they said, hey, we're gonna make Nevada, those cities were like, I don't care, I'm still, like Vegas or whatever. I'm still this city. So Nevada was like, all right, well, we'll just make our laws around you. So there's places in Nevada where the laws are different 
all over the place. There's like each county can kind of have its own laws or at least gun laws. So, and that's how they have prostitution in some places there and they don't have it in other places because it was, it was legal before it was illegal, if that makes sense. So uh, with the gun thing, we got ours in, is it Pahrump County? Nye County, whatever the county is that isn't Vegas. And uh, if we would have got it in the county that's Vegas, then we would have had to have a different license for each of our car, each of the guns we carried or something like that. And then where we went in a different county, if I wanted to carry three guns, they would have to be on my permit, if I remember right. And that's the only three guns I could carry, period. So if one of those guns broke, I'd have to go back and go, hey, Vegas or hey, Nevada, uh, my gun broke and now I want to put this other gun on there. I don't think it would have cost me nothing more than printing the permit out and waiting. But the rub is that you have to apply for the thing at the time, at least you had to you could have an out of state Nevada permit, but you had to apply in person. You had to hand them to them in person. And then when they gave it to you, you had to be in person. So you can have an out of state Nevada if you can get your ass to Nevada and give it to them. And then weeks later, go back and get it. So we had guys that went up with us to do that three state or 30 state. I forget what it was called the three day multi-state CCW situation. And they got their Vegas one or their Nevada one and never could go back up and get it. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to drive up there and get it. So, and I couldn't get it for other people. So it's like, you know, I can, you can come with me, but I'm going to go up there and I'm going to get mine. And they couldn't drive up there. They couldn't get away from work. They didn't think it was worth it. And I think there must have been no consequence. There's no way they, maybe they, I can't remember. Maybe they even left the money on the table. Like they, it cost them the whatever, hundred bucks or something. And they had to just suck it up and leave the hundred bucks but anyway that part was pretty heinous and you got to learn about that um potentially in your in an area where you've got a lot of different different uh, ccw requirements uh, out here though um it's just uh a way to consider them to be different from each other like each state's requirements to be different and then we got constitutional carry now in 25 of the states which means that you don't even need a permit which you know takes it to a whole nother level uh however with uh class with the with the way it is with um constitutional carry i suspect but i can't you know i don't think somebody could debate this with me but i suspect if you called a instructor and said I've got my constitutional carry and I'm not sure I want my permit, but could I sit in a class and see what it's like? I bet you they'd be like, yeah, all right. I don't know if they'd let you record it, but I bet you they'd let you sit there. All right. Well, I don't know if those questions, if those answered your questions or not, but thanks for giving me some catalyst to start jabbering on about. I've definitely gone for one hour, one, wait, one hour, one, one minutes and one, one seconds a moment ago. Um, I got done with that interview with Sharon, uh, Sharon the other day, and it was two hours, 20 minutes and two seconds and two, two. And I was like, dang it. If I would have waited 10, two, what was it? 20 more minutes. It would have been two, 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 two. But anyway, uh, let's see. So I think Ozzy's saying that DJ is saying, so want to do the mag for yeah, as an MAG-40 alumni, I would recommend it. It's pretty nice to be able to go around telling people you're a graduate of MAG-40. Well, one of the things that Moss will do is uh, fight you, kind of. At the end, there's like a gunfight. And whoever 
uh, scores highest on this challenge. Um, I forget what it is. I think he signs a $5 bill or something. And then I forget what it is. I can't remember anymore. But he, he does something for the person who shoots best. And then he does something else for the person who shoots second best. So when I took the mag 40, two people shot best and tied with each other. And then I shot third, which was second, kind of. Um, even though it was two firsts, I was kind of consider myself still second. Um, and then I forgot what Moss did. I think he signed like a $5 bill or something. Or wait, did he? Shit, I don't know. If I do have a $5 bill signed by him, it's in with my my certificate. But I don't remember now if I... I mean, that's a long time ago. I remember I came in two, but I think I may not have gotten the $5 bill because technically I was third, if you, if you want to count it that way. But I can't remember. But anyway, I was pretty impressed that I was able to shoot good. And it's not like I normally shoot good. It's just, you know, some days you shoot good and I just happen to shoot good. Um... I'm going to take a second and stop trying to hide these yawns behind mutes and take something to get something to drink here and let y'all listen to a commercial from our store, but not the normal store, the uh, print on demand. So if you're looking for some kind of a t-shirt, let me know and I can create that and then stick it on our print on demand. It'll usually cost you like 20 bucks. I try to set things at like 1984 because it's cool. Uh, and that usually gives me like five bucks or something. So uh, if you buy something for 20 bucks, we get five bucks out of it. I never got to touch the thing. The thing itself, its shirt or the mug or whatever it is you buy, uh, it comes from the United States. It gets created when you buy it and then ships out pretty quickly. So uh, if you're interested, here's a commercial and I'll take a couple of drinks of coffee here and be back in. Hey, did you know that you could help support our future projects and let everyone know you're a fan of what we do? Check out our print-on-demand store. We have a tab here on YouTube. When you click on it, you can choose from a bunch of different items. We have shirts and posters and coffee mugs. Click on the one you like. When you find the design you want to put on it, choose a color and a size if it's appropriate. And when you purchase these items, a portion goes to help fund our future projects. We really do appreciate your support. You get some cool stuff. When you get that stuff, post pictures here and on other platforms, and we'll hook you up next time you order from our gear website store. Thank you for your support of gunwebsites.com. Now, uh, I want to say I rarely know when anybody ever buys anything over there because like, I make 14 bucks a year doing that, so it's not like a ton of people do it, but uh, so I don't go over there and monitor it very often. So the people that do purchase stuff over there make a post or something like, you know, take a picture of it. Like she fires bought a mug over there. I would have never known except she posted a picture of it. And I was like, hey, heck yeah. And then like two months later, like uh, enough money had come in that 14 bucks came our way. But uh, so we do it mostly just to help get the word out and to ideally make a couple of bucks. So if there's anything that you'd like to see as a shirt or some sort of uh, other item that they can make like that. Yeah, let us know. We can easily, I think we can have like 200 items up there. So it's easy to throw something up there. And it's fun to create something. So give us that challenge. DJ is saying auditing is a thing on campuses too and visiting. Take a whole break, drink coffee, and I still got to yawn. Uh, the problem is if you audit a, a campus class, you're going to turn communist. If you audit a guns class, 
you are preventing communism. So, you know, so just saying. Uh, Patriot is out there. Good evening. Um, sent you an email. I'm assuming you got it uh, describing some of the stuff that's headed your way. You could get what's coming to you. Uh, let's see. Then everybody's saying hey to each other. Uh, let's see. Woods is saying it would be weird taking a CCW class after carrying for 30 years. Oh, really? Interesting you'd say that. I don't think it is uh, because the class is uh, at that point is your um, updating your knowledge because if you think you know the laws, you don't know the laws and updating your awareness of the community, like what's hip and trendy, what's uh, what's of interest, where's the new gun shops, uh, is there a new style or way to hold the gun or something. So I would say it's an opportunity for little or no cost to be a part of a segment of your community that's always been available. It's like literally always there. Some people take or do CCW classes like on the constantly, right? So, uh, or teach them on the, you know, constantly every weekend and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I hear you, but I would still recommend it. I guess anything that you do for the first time is like that, but pretty soon you figure out, think about it, a CCW class, especially a CCW class, is 100% and then the other guy, people that have never been to anything before, or maybe they're like they didn't. Uh, renew their permit because a lot of states aren't telling you your permits expired so write down when your permits expired give yourself a heads up in some kind of a calendar or phone or write something or tell somebody your friend to remind you or something but uh, you know if you're taking that class as an experienced person because you're renewing it yeah you might be sleeping or trying to broadcast to the world how you know so much or whatever or teach the instructor or something but uh, aside from that, everybody else who's there has never even probably been around guns for any length of time, uh, has uh, apprehension to say the least, is more worried about that they don't do something wrong in a situation like in a culture that they're not familiar with. Uh, you own that as a 30 year old carrying person like you own that. In fact, you can be a coach if the if it's yeah, I wouldn't recommend I shouldn't even say it like that. You have the potential to be a coach like in that in that circumstance. Obviously, a hundred percent depending on the instructor that lets you show up. Do not assume anything there, but depending on your relationship with that person, if you're an alumni, if they are your best friend, if they're you know friend of you, like they're your family or something, then there's probably some things you could say you know be useful in the class. But if nothing else, uh. You're, you're sitting there and you're experiencing it because what the hell else are you going to do on a Saturday? Listen to a bunch of people online tell you about what grip angle they got. Uh, or you go in there and then somebody's saying something and somebody's saying something and you then you can raise your hand and go, hey, if it's okay, if I can ask a question, would a 38 a revolver be appropriate for a person in that situation, even though they're looked down upon by all the, the hip and trendy, uh, what do you call them? influencers who insist on telling you that you should have a giant gun that intimidating because they're not intimidated by it. And then, then that instructor can go, Oh, that's a great question and uh, answer it. And then maybe 
you can tell that you help somebody in the class, not by mansplaining, but by having it mansplained by somebody who they are interested in listening to. And let's just remember that revolvers are the way to go. Everybody who tells you that revolvers are old fashioned is new fashioned idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. All right, so next up is reading through the comments over here. Everybody saying, hey, to Patriot. DJ, I think, is either threatening Patriot with a little guitar or playing them some kind of song with no musical notes. So it seems like intimidation. Patriot says, I think my dad has taken somewhere between north or somewhere north of 10 CCW classes. He enjoys the legal portion. If you find the right instructor, a lot of times attorneys will be CCW instructors. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Attorneys, lawyers will be CCW instructors sometimes. And they're, in, they're interesting classes to take. They kind of tend to go into legal stuff more than others. But yeah, I can definitely see like that guy who was border patrol, uh, his knowledge and awareness of that is totally different than like a cop. I forgot to talk about cops that do CCW classes. That's totally different. Holy moly. You could literally spend an entire amount of time just taking classes from cop CCW instructors and probably have as much variation as I've experienced in all the just random CCW instructors I've experienced. I shouldn't say random. I go to ones that I can get to. That means they're in Tucson and that will let me show up. So, you know, sometimes they're across town, sometimes they're right here. But depending on the era, they're constantly all over the place. So, you know, Tucson's a pretty big town. So there's constantly CCW classes all over. Uh, let's see. So now uh, Yelp for the trainings. Yeah, I'm not sure. I was just using that as an example. So I'm not sure. That is something that I'm not aware of the firearms instructors having some sort of a consumer reports or a yelp for ccw or a yelp for guns in general is that something that we should have well gun broker can build a big giant infrastructure completely proprietary and then we've got other um, industry that create in intra industry infrastructures completely from scratch or from units that you know might as well be um so should we have one devoted for firearms training created by and for shooters? I think so. Maybe I'll even work on that a little bit. Patriot is saying, I like to come home and write stuff down, make a second set of notes to compare it with later. That's an interesting uh, thing to try too. So in other words, I think what you're saying, get the instruction, Come home, write it down, and then at some time in the future, attempt to write it down again so that you can compare the two attempts of writing it down to see how much was retained and how much altered, twisted, morphed, and then, or the lack of that, right? And or the lack of that. Patriots in the last CCWI class, I asked the instructor to record it on audio for later reference. Make sure you, or you asked if you could, or you asked him to. Uh, make sure you ask first. Some instructors don't like you recording them. You may want to question, they may, you may want to question why. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess what I'll also mention there, um, 
Oh, I was going to, I guess, because I, I just said he being sexist about the uh, CCW instructor. Um, well, number one, most of them are guys, so I'm just being realistic, just being real. But uh, I would say it's probably worth, if not just for the experience, but probably worth taking a instruction or a, what do you call it, a uh, class with a female CCW instructor. And I'm going to go... I'm mean, even if it is sexist, I'm going to say pay for that class because normally I'm cheap and I'm going to say try to get that class for nothing. But I think it's probably a good idea to pay a female instructor, CCW instructor, because they could use the money, right? They probably got to buy girl stuff or whatever with it. So uh, that one's probably worth listening to because you'd also want to definitely have the ability to ask questions, right? You'd want to be taking this class. One, so that you can mansplain to her because she's going to be holding the gun wrong. She's going to be saying stuff wrong. But mainly so that you can hear from some girl ways that you can better mansplain to other girls. So some girl tells you a bunch of tips and tricks. Now you can go mansplain to some other girl about it and she'll think, dang, this guy knows everything. And then that way mansplaining works better. It kind of amplifies our own mansplaining in the future. So pro tip right there. Uh, let's see. Am I going back too far? I have been in live chat situations when it got out of control and we were in here for like, I was like 40 minutes behind in the chat. I don't know if that's happening because sometimes it's just everybody typing very small things. Um, that was Patriot saying, make sure you ask first. Krabby is saying, great stuff. Thanks. A little bit disorganized probably. I don't, it, you may not realize this. I don't script this. I'm not reading from a script. I rarely read from a script. Uh, that second notes is great idea, Patriot. Uh, write it right before PN Woods, who claims to be an instructor, says, write it before you go to bed. It encodes better. Now, I can interpret that as write it down like before you go to sleep so that it's not the next day and you've lost memory. Or do I read that as write it down just before you fall asleep so that something magical in your brain makes it work better. I don't know which way you're going with that. Uh, Woods is saying, I'm thinking of taking the Utah class so I can carry in Oregon. Well, I think that's wrong. So from my understanding, and this may have changed, Oregon's CCWs aren't from the Department of Public Safety or some other entity at a state level. Florida's is the Department of Agriculture. Um, but the CCWs in Oregon, as far as I understand, are offered by the sheriff of the county. So I don't know how many counties are in Oregon, but it's like five or more. And each of those sheriffs has its own like situation. And that's why I've heard it's difficult to get a Oregon one. And with that in mind, I've owned a Utah and a Nevada, and I don't think any of them worked in Oregon. I've never had ability to carry in Oregon because of what I referenced earlier. There are a bunch of jerks about the way that they do it. I don't know if that's strong or if that's weak, but it sucks for all of us who don't live in Oregon because now, you know, unless Oregon gets constitutional carry, we got to, you know, choose to not carry in Oregon, not to go to Oregon. Um, we're down to Krabby is saying, I have my Utah. 
that was like a basic beginner class out here. Oh, dude, it's a $35 class. Utah class is like, you're not a jerk, right? Or like, you're not a criminal, right? And then you go, no. And they go, all right, here you go. There's, there's a pretty decent CCW. It was like, wait, you're not going to pull the trigger and point it at your hand, right? No, no, of course not. They're like, oh, okay, here, here's, your, here's your permit. Uh, paid extra to get the Utah during our state's uh, course. Now, is that something that just, this didn't just open up. You've had that for a bit. Oh, thanks. I wasn't sure what HQL was. Handgun qualification licensing. There's DJ poking two fingers into the air in a way. Uh, then he's putting a link to Minuteman University. Um, Minuteman University is one of our projects where we attempt to offer skills and resources for Second Amendment advocates. It's a growing resource we've been building since 2015. So pardon any dead ends or you know dust. I uh, don't have a huge budget or infrastructure to build it, but it is pretty huge and it's becoming a massive infrastructure. We are efforting to put some tools together to invite some moderators on board to, well, not build that up as much as the um, uh, Every Second Matters website, which historically in the past has had a focus on current events in the Second Amendment realm. And we're going to be building something to offer that soon. Oh, let's see. Hope I dream about those toppings. At Thunder on the Prairie event, I passed out two bills. Oh, passed out $2 bills. Now I see what you're saying. Just because uh, that's what you like, how you like to roll, handing out money. Uh, I, I think of it as every 10 $2 bills I don't hand out. I have $20. Uh, Robo Mellow? What's happening? Oh, did we go uh, robotic there for a bit? Okay, you get to get the email. Uh, to, to, to my first CCW renewal is this month, 50 bucks. Um, depending on the number of people that are applying for CCWs, uh, since we're kind of talking about CCW a little bit focused here, uh, keep in mind that their department might be overwhelmed, and if they're not, if they are idiots, then they don't hire temporary staff. Or if it's what's the word like delicate enough info, they may not want to hire interns. And I think we can see that you know the results or the consequences of not paying attention to the people who have access to data can be costly and. Uh, you know, are they going to lose politically in California? Is there ever been anything that motivated California gun owners more uniformly in, in an overnight? So let's see. That was a great technique. All my techniques are great. If I say so myself, the place I most likely choose with is... The place, the place I most likely choose is with a former cop. I agree the dazzle guns must cost a lot more. And then, oh, Krabby Turtles tried to post a link to uh, LGS that they use. And you can't post links, sorry. So are you not a mod? Let me go 
change that. Oh no, here mod. He just hasn't posted it yet. And then Woods is saying, yes, right before you sleep. That's pretty much where I'm at. So I must be retaining all of this because I almost feel like I'm zombie wait, sleepwalking through this at this point. So uh, I've been all over the place. We're an hour and a half in. I got to call it. So this was an attempt to offer some insight to training. I don't take notes. Uh, there's maybe somebody who has the craziness. It's a bad time to say this. I should probably incorporate this in the beginning of the chat. But if you're listening to this or you're about to listen to this again or something and you have the inclination to make timestamps, uh, that could be handy uh, to keep track of the topics or whatnot. But um, I'm not guaranteeing nothing. But because training, in my opinion, I've got my training. I don't need training no more. So that's up to you. Honestly, the training is something I'm interested in and I really like it. I mean, we devote a day of our podcast to it, so I will keep addressing it. But in the list of priorities, it's right there on top of AK-47 chat as far as like at the bottom. Uh, we all can use firearm if we need to. We all can definitely do it if we have to, right? We'll make it work if we have to. The nuances and subtleties and stuff are neat to be aware of and to be used. You know, it's nice to have some skill set, but uh, um. You know, that's only one facet, I guess. And, you know, and you, like I said, just saying, you can end up accomplishing use of the thing without knowing everything about it. That being said, I like to focus on this stuff, and I'll definitely be focusing on it more. Uh, I haven't decided if it's worth having instructors in, because I can offend instructors. I'm not super into any particular thing. I'm super uh, kundo about it. I, I take what I like from the various elements and I'm willing to leave the rest behind. And then that can be frustrating for an instructor who's you know, deep into the whole thing of some way of doing stuff. Uh, and I just don't, I, I don't have this attention that I used to have or the awareness I used to have of it. So I just don't know all the instructors. But I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the future, especially if we get to do this show long format i realize that 90 minutes might seem like long format for some people but our goal would be to do something like art bell where we go all night overnight talking about guns and 2a and in that reality we'd be having uh instructors on not because we need to fill time but because i would have the time to delve into some interesting shit and we live in a time, an era, 2022, one of the reasons I wanted to touch on this topic in the first place, and we'll touch on it again, is we live in a time when literally the people that invented paying attention to how you shoot were only like a generation or two ago. I mean, guns haven't been around that long, but it only was a, at some point, you know, there was a day when nobody paid attention to their guns. There was no sights on the gun. And then there was a day when somebody's like, wait a minute, I could put a sight on here. And then there was another day later on where somebody's like, oh, I can teach somebody else how to do what I do because of this site. And, the, you know, I can explain this. So there's only been so many changes to the way that we uh, go through a manual of arms or the way that we use interface with our firearms especially when the things were muzzle loading forever and then they were bolt action for a really long time and then they went to semi action semi auto fairly quickly but kind of basic semi autos and then they went to the ar-15 and the ak-47 and technologies effectively stopped 
except for the modular legal component in a U.S. made firearm, there's been no real jump in evolution for a while. And because of that, training has been able to adapt and catch up with technology and uh, the guns that were adopted for use uh, and then focus on things. So like the focus on the 1911, the training and the um, understanding of that platform, massive, right? They used it forever. The AR-15, same way. So um, the instructors who began to say, or maybe I guess observe, that the people that do better are all doing this, or the people that perform fastest tend to all do that, or the people that consistently place in the top, you know, they're all doing this. And as eyes that were scrutinizing what it was that one matches started to incorporate or emulate those techniques or those things, those piece, sometimes it was gear, but most often I think techniques, that's how the stuff started to develop. And the reason I'm explaining all this is that this stuff just all happened in our lifetimes and the people that did it, except for one guy are walking around today and they're all offering classes. So this would be like, yeah, Henry Ford's gone, but you can go take a class with Chevrolet or Dodge or whoever the names of these other people are, Volvo, right? You can just go take a class with uh, people that either created the curriculums that everybody else are using or were there to be part of the whole infrastructure development of the of the uh, curriculums and things people are, you know, the, the current uh, instructors are using. So it is a fun time to consider going out and uh, getting some training, uh, some firearms instruction uh, from any level. Stuff that we didn't talk about today was appraising. We didn't even talk about how to appraise a firearm. We didn't talk about black powder in any way, shape, or form. We didn't talk about right recreations or rendezvous or reenactments where people will uh, effectively get as close to the old-time realistic look of firearm as possible and then all the training and necessary or things that are necessary for that. Uh, we didn't get into any of the types of firearms training as far as marksmanship or practical or sports type training, safety training, becoming an instructor, an instructor that teaches an instructor. And then I believe some schools and some infrastructures have instructors that teach instructors to instruct students. So an student gets instructed by an instructor somebody had to teach that instructor on what to do right like instructors don't just fall out of the sky somebody teaches them what to do you go to a class to become an instructor well who teaches those instructors that teach instructors a master instructor in the nra is i think it's what it's called so it's an instructor who teaches the instructors that teach instructors who teach ccw students yeah that, that exists. I'm not even fooling around. Like, that's a thing. So lots and lots of training out there. We'll talk about other stuff. Oh, horseback, mounted horseback. Come on. Come on. So uh, we'll talk about some of that other stuff in future chats. Feel free to uh, head over to Gizzards' Gilded, if you know you know. But it's a better place than some of the metrics versions of this stuff. 
it's a place where people can go hang. And I can tell you that right now, Gizzard is live over there. And his kitten is live over there. Baron was live a second ago. And a bunch of the things like going like this. Oh, wait. My mouth is pretty dry, but you hear what I'm saying? All those little clicks were the people over there chatting in Gizzard's Gilded. So if you want to stay up after this, uh, feel free to head over to Gizzard's Gilded. We'll be in the uh, general room over there. Uh, and there's a bunch of stuff happening. Unless I, I should probably read what's over there. Wait, the last thing I want to do... Oh, wait, I guess I should read. I, I don't think he was telling people not to show up. I think they've been having a conversation, though, while we're talking. All right, the last thing we'll do is on the way out, we'll hit the poll that I almost always forget to hit. And we asked earlier in the show, about an hour ago, or maybe more like an hour and 40 minutes ago in reality, what will your next firearm training be for? So what will your next firearm training be? The possibilities were self-defense and CCW, rifle of any kind, gunsmithing or reloading, or medical and first aid. And we had a three-way tie for second, 21% medical, gunsmithing, and rifle. 36% therefore voted for self-defense and CCW. So that probably falls in line to you know, listening to conversations and just knowing people that are new and whatnot, what people are probably looking for. So anyway, we'll hit the end to that poll, kind of mentioned the end of it here or mentioned it verbally for the people that might be listening to this as a podcast in the future. If you do, feel free to give us some feedback out there. We don't get very much feedback from the podcast in a ratio to how many people listen to the podcast. So as you're grabbing them, assuming you grab them to download or whatever, uh, to listen to these things, we'd appreciate it if you said, hey, give us some comments out there to give us some direction. Otherwise, the people listening live get 100% of the you know drive in the ship over here. Uh, but then also um, just uh, say, hey, where you're at so we know who's out there. All right, with that, I guess we're wrapping it up. I don't think I'm missing anybody else. Gizzard is over here. And I don't want to just link to his thing, unless you want me to. I don't want to just start linking to people's gilded Most people are probably going to let access to their gilded is a place that I don't know how to say it, um, through their Patreons or their YouTube channel memberships. Uh, gives you a way to create like a threshold to just let anybody in. Uh, or they'll have other strategies. That'll be part of the fun is to see how people use that platform. All right. With that, thanks again for everybody for showing up. I will be back to pick you up. Oh, tomorrow is the, what do you call that thing? The weekly wrap up where we look back at everything that was created throughout the week that was focused on what our second amendment protects. So we, uh, we focus on it. We say thank you to those folks for posting it. And then we share it all over the place. We create it all week long. And then on Friday, we describe it and we uh, post it. Uh, we post it as a blog post over on Patreon uh, with lots of highlighting and pictures and all the formatting. We take that and we send it out as a newsletter to 300 and something people and then post it on different social platforms so that the links and the projects and the people that we talk about uh, during that weekly wrap up get uh, 
links out there and get some awareness and get some uh, cross traffic from the different platforms we use. So that'll be tomorrow. Saturday is Ask Gun Questions, but it's also Every Second Matters. So G23 uh, will be hosting a morning Every Second Matters get together with him or uh, somebody who you know is going to be there if you'd like to be part of it. I don't know if it's open doors, but I know that if you leave the doors open on some of these platforms, you get weirdos. So the doors will be closed, but it doesn't always mean that it's invite only. Sometimes you just have to ask. So I don't want to say that I know one way or the other how he's planning to run it, but I can tell you we will have an, an Ask Gun Questions after that. And then we will have another Every Second Matters, which I've had a few people RSVP or you know let me know that they're going to be there. So it should be I mean, the most epic one. It's hard to know. We actually don't script it. But uh, it will be Saturday afternoon. Uh, what we're talking about is uh, an awareness campaign that started back in 2013, an effort to talk about what our Second Amendment protects on the second day of each month. So that way, the second day, sometimes like this, it's on a Saturday. And some weeks, some months, it's on a, a Tuesday or something. Like it's always going to be different. And we figured that was a great way to... Uh, create awareness of what that Second Amendment protects at times when their, the attention of the country wasn't focused on it or the attention of the country wasn't focused on removing our rights. So there was a lot of work to be done so that we could have a consistent focus and a consistent effort happening throughout the year so that when necessary, when we need to amp it up, we're already moving. All we have to do is throw some fuel in the tank and we can we normally are driving 10 miles a day sure we can drive 200 miles when needed all right i keep saying i'm going to wrap it up and that is the wrap up i think i'm done remembering things that i need to talk about so oh i guess i have to actually click the right buttons and not the wrong buttons and then say so GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. So let us know what you think. We'll be watching the comments wherever you find the video over on GunStreamer.com or on GunTube.org. Thank you for supporting our projects. If you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee, check out our Patreon channel. The guys and gals of GunWebsites.com encourages you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thank you for watching GunWebsites.com.